Well, amen. Some wonderful hymns that give us the message that we need to, to hear each and every day. And uh, along those lines, as we continue on with our message and the colors of salvation, just a reminder again, these are ways that we can witness to others. I'm trying to give a, uh, a very simple meeting at the, at, at the start of it, because when we're usually sharing with people, uh, many times we want to not overload them, not overwhelm them, or not there to show them or prove to them that we're some deep theologian that you know has all the answers to the world, but we do want to share Jesus with them. And just as we sang this last song, more about Jesus. And really the way that I like to approach it is to um, do it as though I am sharing or introducing a friend. Somebody that has done something great for me and maybe he can do something great for you if you allow it to happen. And so when we look at this, there's the simpleness. And so in your bulletin as, as you look at it, we ask some of the same questions uh, week after week. And so we know that uh, black represents what? Sin. sin. That's, that's really the simple part of it. When we talk about things, all we need to remember is that sin is the beginning of where we need to address people. Because we can't start somewhere else. We need to start with, we're sinful. That's what makes us have this need for Jesus. Our sin is what separates us from this relationship with Jesus. And so... If, we, if we're harboring sin, if we have unrepented sin, it's going to affect our relationship with him. And, and we use this, I'm, I'm bringing in these scriptures from Roman, which is also called the Romans Road, if you have uh, ever followed that. But really, that all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Right? So when we are approaching with people, and we're talking with people about God, it's like we're no different. I always tell people the difference between you and I, if you're not a Christian, is just that I have a relationship with Christ. I'm saved. Otherwise, we're the same. We've done the same horrible things. We've, we've been alienated from God by our sin. Our nature um, was the same without Christ. But it is Christ that can make a difference. So really, we, we bring it back that we were all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. And a lot of times... That's sort of comforting to people because there's times when we invite people to church and sometimes they'll say, well, I can't go in there. The walls would fall down. Like, like we're holy and like we're so righteous and they're just so terrible. Well, we don't want to make them comfortable in their sin, but what we need to do is make them aware that God had a level playing field. You know, uh, everyone's a sinner. Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus came to save sinners of whom we are that. So we start out with sin. That's just a very simple part of it. And, and actually in the future we can flesh these out more and more and more about the sin nature and all these things. But just keeping it simple with people and keeping it simple with ourselves is sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. Because sometimes we've been a Christian a long time. We've been doing, maybe living a better life than what we used to. And all of a sudden we begin to look down upon those that are lost. And I don't think we should ever look down upon those that are lost. We should have love and compassion for those that are lost. 
The world is a, is a broken place. And when we look out there, it should really grieve our hearts at the things that are going on. Yes, I get upset when I see some of the injustices being done, when I listen to the way some people talk. It, it, it really infuriates me and gets my emotions going. But then I need to step back and say, you know, that's my nature that's coming out. How would Jesus look upon these people? What would he say to them? And so as we share the gospel, this is what we want to do. So, hey, we've all been sinners. We've all been to that place. We've all made mistakes. Let me introduce you to somebody who can make a difference. Red represents what? The blood, the blood of Christ. Christ's cost, what he paid upon the cross for us. It represents the color of the blood of Jesus. And of course, it's, it's the color of our blood too, but my blood doesn't save you. His blood did. It was his blood that redeemed us from this sin. So again, there is no forgiveness of sin without um, the shedding of blood. And he was the righteous lamb that went to the cross and died for us and rose again. And again, we can do this when, when we talk to people and we're sharing with people. It wasn't that I was a good person and therefore God says, oh, Craig was such a nice person. I, I, we're going to let him in uh, to our church family and to, you know, uh, my, to be one of my children. No. The Bible tells us, but God demonstrated his love towards us that why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why we were unclean, why we were um, doing things that were despised by him, it says that he died for us. Am I in the right one? Nope. There we go. So it wasn't for any acts that I have done. It wasn't that I uh, did something and, and earned the right. You know, there's things in this world where you need to earn a passage into or earn a right into. You know, I can't, I can't join the veterans because I haven't gone to war. I wasn't in the service. Those that have gone through that, they've earned that right to be a part of that group. The thing with God's family is it's open for all. And he says, whosoever, whosoever. And so when we look at this, he demonstrated his love that while we were still enemies of his, while we were still against him, while we were living in a way that was um, displeasing and really an abomination to him, why we were there, because God knows the beginning from the end, he knows all time from start to finish, Christ came and he died for us. And so we have our sinfulness. But then we have Christ that intercedes. And then we talked about yellow. What did that represent? Or gold? Heaven. Heaven. He's given us the eternal place. We shall live in the city of gold. One of the part of my message yesterday was Jesus where he says, you know, I have left and I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I've gone to prepare a place for you, and he's talking about those that have accepted this gift of salvation, he says, I will come again and bring you unto myself. So we have this promise of gold that says that he loves us, he has a place for us, he's going to come back for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation gives us that eternal life. So that's the goal we talk about. We have sin. We have Christ that interjects. He interjects and he promises us this eternal life that we can have. And then we had white. 
White represented purity, purity, holiness. Well, we cannot be holy on our own accord. It's only by God that we can be holy. But as the scriptures will say, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We sing a song about that. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. So our, our aim as believers and our aim as children of God is to be holy as he is holy. And he told us in Romans 10, 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's the beginning of holiness. Spiritually, we're holy already. Christ has come in. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life to empower us, to give us the ability to make the right decisions. And holiness is, is a lifelong process like sanctification. You know, we're seated in the heavenlies. We're his, okay? We're in his hand. But our holiness is, is a working out. So when we look at the first few, we look at our condition and to the crossing point of Christ in his promise of eternal life. And these last ones are acts of obedience. They're acts of, of our life. What does our life look like now that we are a Christian? And so today we're going to talk about blue. Anyone want to guess what blue might represent? Forgiveness. Forgiveness? Well, baptism. 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 Water, right? Easy. Okay, we can look at that. So, simple as, a, simple as a child again. When we look at these things, we can look at these colors very simply and say, so, so God has saved us. He's given us this eternal life. His desire is for us to be holy, to be sanctified, set apart for, for his use. One of the most important things as a believer is obedience. Oh, we don't like that word, do we? But he's called us to be obedient to his word, to be obedient to, to what he has said and we struggle with that because there's a way that seems right unto a man, right? There's a way that we think we can do it and that we can approach it. We see today professing Christians that are trying to fix the world. Even spiritual leaders around it say, you know, this is going to solve the problem if we do this or if we do this or we... No. God is the one that solves us. To be obedient to his word, to follow his word... As we have aboard, as met over the last several months, we always talk about that. What is it that God's word says? What is it that God would have us to do? Because that's where we want to be. And when discussions come up, sometimes we have little differing viewpoints, but we always agree when we come back to the scripture. You and I may disagree on a lot of things, but when we sit down and say, what does the Bible say about it? It may bring us to a point. So that's why I say for Christians in this political era that we're in, don't just talk about, well, this one's a, a this party and this one's of this party and this one's of this party. Look at the issues that they stand for. And if you have friends that are Christians that are pro-abortion, we could sit down and say, well, let's see what the Bible says. Is the Bible important to you as a believer, as a Christian? Is the Bible important to you? Well, if they're a true Christian, they're going to say yes. Then it's like, well, let's see what the Bible has to say. Not what does my man in, in the White House have to say, or my senator or congressman or governor have to say. But let's see what the Bible has to say. And we get down to the Word of God, because obedience is very important. Well, what's one of the first things that God tells us to do? Well, he tells us in Matthew, and we're going to get into that 
to go make disciples and to baptize them. But it says that this baptism is, is, is more than just hopping in the water. And we're going to talk about that in a second. We, it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism, Romans 6.4. Again, this sort of continues down that, that Romans road. But it's a representation of what God has called us to do. So Matthew 28, 19 and 20 tells us this, Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Those are red letters. We sing a song here every now and then called the Red Letters. Not that any words in the Bible are more important than the others, but when they're the red letters, I happen to have a Bible that has the words of Jesus in red. I sort of pay attention to those sometimes. They jump out at me a little bit more. Jesus has told us this. These are the commands to his disciples, to his apostles, to his believers of what we are to do in the world. Go and make disciples. What's a disciple? Anybody know what a disciple is? What? I can't hear. Somebody's shout. Christ follower. Christ follower. Right. Christian is a Christ follower. Disciple is a student of. Okay? Now sometimes I, I can get in a debate about a disciple always being saved because I'm not sure they are. A disciple can be a student. They can be somebody that follows and maybe they choose after weighing whatever out they may not do. But he's talking really to believers here. And so he says, go make disciples, go make Christ followers, go make students, okay, of all nations. So what is a student? A student is somebody that sits under their professor, under their teacher, and they learn, they soak in, they take in. They, they, they want to, you know, gather all that they can. A, a good student pays attention. A good student takes notes. You know, we're into this age a little bit, and I'm not picking on anybody here, but we don't carry Bibles around much anymore. I happened to forget one of my Bibles at the funeral home yesterday, and a Marine brought it in this morning. She says, oh, I thought you might need this. And I said, well, one of the, the benefits of being a pastor is I have many Bibles. And I actually have one, but that's the one she brought over this morning. We don't carry our Bible much anymore. We don't make notes much anymore. We don't highlight things anymore. We don't journal much about those things. Now we have a couple that were teachers. I know Margaret was a teacher. We have a couple teachers that were back here. I don't know, were you professors or teachers? Both. They were educators. So we've had those. We've had those in, the, in our auditorium here that have taught Sunday school and taught Bible studies. Right? So we have those in, in, our, in our congregation that have been teachers. And, and there's something good about when you are teaching something when somebody asks you a question or jots down a note or says, can you clarify this because I want to understand it more fully. That's why in our bulletin every week there's a, a thing for notes. And I know most of them, most of you don't take notes, but it's there if somebody wants to take a note. And if you don't want to take a note, that's why I put in scriptures and a couple questions there to trigger thoughts. So he says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. So our primary thing is to get people to follow Christ, to introduce them to Jesus. We can't get them to follow Christ, but we can share the gospel message with them. 
And once they've accepted Christ, once they have that gift that God has offered, a discipleship again is a process. I didn't go to school for one day or one hour or one week or one month and all of a sudden say, well, you know, I, I got my degree for religious education. No, it's a process. It's a long time that we're learning and grasping and, and pulling in and soaking in. It's like a sponge, a dry sponge that absorbs water. So I want you to think about that. That's after the salvation. And so we are called as a church, and I think really we as a church, even locally here, but I think the church as a whole, fails at this calling to make disciples, to really mentor somebody. And it's not always done in a, a classroom setting. It's not always done in an auditorium like this. Sometimes we're making disciples, and I think sometimes the best disciples are made when you are doing one-on-ones with people or small groups, sometimes just a couple people that get together and, and talk about and study and discuss and want to learn more about God. So the command is there. We go and make disciples. But what's the second part? Baptizing them. Now, baptism is something that, that's argued about a lot through the churches. But we see here that somebody believes and they're baptized and there's more scriptures that, that support that. We do not support infant baptism. If, if we recognize a, a, a baby for some reason, it's a dedication. You know, we will dedicate them to the Lord. But baptism is something that happens when you believe. But it's an act of obedience and it's one of the first things that is told for a believer to do. And so my thought, and, and I didn't grasp this thought, I actually in my life I resisted baptism for several years after I was a believer because I had sort of thought I was a Christian, believed I sort of was a Christian, sort of played the role of a Christian before I was really saved. And so when I got saved, the thought of baptism was, well, Jesus saved me already, why do I need to do this? And there can be all sorts of things that come in. For me, it was pride. By me getting baptized after telling people I was a Christian for so long, sort of would, would tell people that I was in rebellion against God's word, that I wasn't obedient immediately to God's word. And that, actually, the one who baptized me was Pastor Ernie. The Rio Grande River. I was down there. I never went to Mexico planning to be baptized. We were down there. I had to do a lot of talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> And we were down there, and there's a baptism service, and talking, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. I was like, yeah, we want to do this. So, you know, don't just think that people automatically say, oh, I want to be baptized when I get saved. We don't teach it. We don't encourage it. We don't even point to the significance of it. That it's a representation of being buried with Christ. And it says we are buried with him through baptism. It's a, it's a word picture that, that we do. But if you can't be obedient in the first and really what is probably the smallest act of obedience that you could ever do, how do you expect God to use you in greater things? How do you expect God to bless you in other things? Now, will he bless you? Yeah, he can bless you. There's people I know that have never been baptized and, and they're blessed. But it's a command of God. And we need to understand that. When we share the gospel with people, we need to understand this. We're sinners. Christ intervened. He wants us to be holy. He says, be holy as I am holy. He's given us eternal life. 
And so then he gives us the scripture. Now I got a job for you to do. Go make disciples and baptize them. Well, it's pretty hard for a believer to encourage somebody to be baptized who hasn't been baptized themselves. And I've heard all sorts of things about baptism, why we don't want to. Some people are, are worried about, you know, my hair is going to get messed up. Sometimes it's a pride thing. Sometimes it's a rebellion thing. Sometimes people are indifferent to it. There can be all sorts of reasons why people don't want to. But it doesn't take away from the scripture that says that we need to. It's an act of obedience that God has called us to do. And we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Everything. It says don't, don't just teach them you know, what, your, what your religion teaches them or your denomination. Teach them all things. We teach them the word of God from front to back. We teach them the principles and the concepts of this. But in order to do this, we need to make that first step of obedience. You know, the God's, God's left us a couple ordinances. And it's baptism and communion. And here's where I really see the difference in the two. When we pass communion, and when I give my um, talk about communion, I'll always say, if there's something in your life that you're not willing to deal with, let it go by. Don't take it. Because as the scripture says... If we take it unworthily, it's really a sin. But guess what? We got peer pressure, don't we? If, if I'm sitting next to one of you and, and the plate passes by and, and I just let it go by, well, maybe Daryl's going to think, what sin does Craig have in his life that he's not willing to deal with? So what do I do? I take it. Many times we take the Lord's table, you know, in a way that we shouldn't because we're not willing to deal with things in our life baptism is sort of the opposite because communion the Lord's table is sort of a group uh, thing that we do right we're all doing it together so it's very easy to do it because everybody's doing it here but baptism is different because when somebody says I want to be baptized it's an individual act and sometimes we may have two or three or four people that would say, hey, you know, I want to get baptized. But it's an individual thing, and guess what? All of a sudden, you're the focal point of the baptism that's happening. You're making the profession. You're showing the obedience. You're the one that is getting laid back and being raised again. You're the one that may give a testimony. And so people struggle with that. But it does not change the Word of God and what the Word of God says. So he tells us, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey everything I have commanded. And he says, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. 1 Peter 1, 3.21 tells us this, there is also an antitype, that's a symbol, sort of a, a symbol, which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of filth from the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So sometimes when people read this, and sometimes the, the oneness Pentecostals get into this uh, belief, and, and some of the, the, the Pentecostal churches will say, you need to believe and you need to be baptized to be saved. Well, you don't need to be baptized to be saved. 
baptize, baptism is an act of obedience. So when Peter's talking about this, this antitype or this symbol, which now saves us, they're talking about what Jesus did, his death, burial, and resurrection. It's not the baptism itself. And so he goes on to explain that, not the removal of filth of the flesh. It's not you going into the water that saves you and coming back up. That's not what saves you. But it's the symbol of what it represents. And that was Jesus Christ who went to the cross and he died and was buried and he rose again. And so when we do our baptism, that's our profession. I believe in the one who died for me, was buried, and rose again for me. And I am dying to myself to live for him. I am putting the past behind and I am now living for him. I accept this gift of salvation through faith and grace. So it's not the removal of filth of the flesh, but an answer of a good conscience towards God. Now this good conscience is something that that we need to be aware of in our life because the Bible warns us not to sear our conscience. That means we don't call evil good and good evil. That means we're clear, we're sober-minded, we understand what truth is and what a lie is. And, and we understand that. And so when we have a good conscience towards God, that means that, that we are living in a way that is pleasing to Him. We've repented of sin in our life. We are walking in a way that, that is trying to forsake the battles that we go through. And I understand we go through battles. And I'm not saying that these battles are just poof gone in our life because they're not. But we understand that this good conscience is like, I'm, I'm, I'm good with God. I'm, I'm right with Him. I've confessed with Him. I'm not living in, in a manner that is unpleasing to Him. I'm not choosing to, to ignore his word and, and walk in sin. Because when we do that as believers, we feel guilty, don't we? Don't we even feel guilty in life? Maybe when we do that, when we tell that little white liar, when we're dishonest with somebody. We know that it's not right and we feel guilty about it. There's something about having a good conscience towards God. And so... If we are fighting God in the things that he has called us to do, we're going to feel guilty about it. And unfortunately for most people, as God deals with them, there's two choices. They either yield to God and become obedient to what he has called them to do, or they harden their heart towards him. And Paul talks a little bit about a carnal Christian, but that's a, a whole other story. But when we, when we get into this and we're talking to unbelievers, our, our thought should be this, is as you progress in your walk, okay, you were lost. You were without Christ. He came and died for you. He's offered you eternal life. He wants you to live a, a holy and righteous life. He's got a plan for you. He's sanctified you. He's set you apart. He has a plan for you. And that plan starts with obedience. And so when I'm baptized, I'm testifying to the world and I'm testifying really to my God that I'm accepting this gift and I understand that you died for me and that you rose again and that there are things in this life 
that I'm going to have to die to, to give up, that I might live in the newness of life. A lot of times when we're saved, it means giving up some of the old things in life. We don't always want to give those things up. We wrestle with those things in our life. And so this baptism is a devotion of God. It's a devotion to what he has called us to do. It's, it's that first step of obedience. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and one Father of all who is over all and through all. Our God is a mighty God. And he has great plans for us. Galatians tells us this. Galatians 3.26 So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For not all who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, free nor slave. There is male nor male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed. Heirs according to the promise. So he tells us being baptized into Christ. Now there's a couple different baptisms in the Bible, and I want to be clear about that. There's a baptism into the body of Christ. There's a baptism by the Holy Spirit it talks about. There's a baptism by fire that's talked about. But we're talking about this that the world can see because of a change that is in our life. In Romans 6, 3-5, it tells us this. Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. When we're baptized, and this is the significance as you're talking with somebody about this, this is what you're telling them. Is this is a representation of what Christ did for you. We were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. It's a picture. It's a picture. As parents, as aunts and uncles, as grandparents, when we make this step as a believer, it's something that sometimes a child can ask, you know, Mommy, Daddy, why are they doing that? What's going on there? Sometimes our neighbors, when they see it being done, they might say, what's that all about anyways? I don't understand. See, we have that perfect opportunity at that point to share the gospel with them. It's because Christ died for me. He was buried. And when I got saved, I'm dead to my old self. I'm no longer living according to the world or according to my ways. I've professed to live for him. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, guess what? There's a time coming when he's going to come back and we are going to raise from this life and be united with him. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, as it says, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Peter told us this in Acts 2. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so sometimes the Pentecostals again the, the Charismatics will try to say this is, this is telling us that we don't baptize in the name of the Trinity that we baptize in the name of Jesus and so just to put that to rest 
God is one, composed of three. So when we talk about Jesus, we talk about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can't divide them out. They all have a, 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 a portion of what they are assigned to do in, in our lives and stuff. But he says, repent and be baptized. And the, the focus is on repentance. We need to repent of our sins. Again, we go back to the black. We're sinful. We need to repent of those sins because Jesus died for those sins. And when we're baptized, we're identifying with Christ. In his death, we understand that it is he who paid that price. For me, that's, that's the, the most strong essence of the baptism is, is acknowledging Christ's death for me, his burial and his resurrection for me. And it's not that the baptism will forgive us, it's the repentance. And again, the picture, because when I get baptized, right, it's a picture of what Jesus did. It's not what I'm doing, it's what Jesus did. So that's where the forgiveness of your sins shall come. And as we walk in the likeness of him, and as we yield our life to him, he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. And again, we can get into the Holy Spirit. There's a whole bunch of different views of this. But just let me, I want to let you know that when you are saved and you're born again, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Uh, you have salvation uh, through the work of Christ, not of works of yourself. You have the Holy Spirit. He gives you the whole package at once. We don't earn extra things as we go along in our Christian walk. I always say he's it's like a, a master mechanic. He's given them every tool that we'll ever need in our journey through life. He has given us. And we spend our whole life unfolding those packages and figuring out what it is. But he tells us, repent. Be baptized. The Bible tells us time and time again that we need to do these things. That's obedience. Do you know repentance is obedience? First John tells us that when we know that we've sinned, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins. If we repent of our sins, we need to repent. We need to be obedient. The world doesn't like obedience. But there is no Christian unless you are obedient. You need to be obedient to God's word and what he has. Acts twenty two sixteen. And now why are you waiting? The question was coming to them. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins. And again, it's not the washing away of the dirt or the filth, as we've already read in the scriptures. You always need to take scripture in context and as a whole. But what it's talking about, washing away the sins, is accepting that what Christ has done. What washed away our sins? The shedding of his blood. What gives us power? His resurrection. Everything that we do as a believer should reflect those things. The symbols that, that we do in, in our life should always be word pictures. The Jewish faith was very strong in their life about word pictures, about examples. So when people would ask the question, why do you do this? Why do you do this? The door is open to share about God. Do you take those opportunities to really share Christ where you can? Calling on the name of the Lord, it says. Why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. It's calling on his name that takes our sins away. It's the repentance of a, of a broken and contrite heart and his forgiveness that takes away our sins. 
that walks us in the newness of life. I want to close with just a, a couple different thoughts of baptism here too. And there's basically four words, and maybe sometime in the future we'll unfold this more. But there's baptizo, and that means to immerse. We believe in immersion. Now, there's a method and there's a meaning of baptism. My emphasis is on the meaning first. The meaning of what Christ has done. Okay, That's the most important thing that we can do. But people say, well, why, why do some churches sprinkle? Why do some churches pour? Why do some churches kneel you and bend you forward? Why do some you know, lay you backwards? You know, there's probably more versions of baptism than that. The word baptizo, which is in the Bible, means to immerse. It means to, to, to dunk or to drown, really. It's what they did when they would uh, color their clothing a lot of times. In Hebrew, it's referred to as mikvah. And so mikvah was this. It was an immersion. It was uh, an immersion into another substance. So when the teaching came out, this is what it was talked about. Uh, the New Testament also describes immersion again of, of the Spirit of God and also with fire. Those are future ones. There's another word that's out there. It means baptizo. Okay, so baptizo is another form. I'm not an English teacher. If you, if you really want to study it out, you're going to have to go study it out. But there's, there's nouns and there's verbs. There's aggressives and there's, uh, there's passives and there's aggressives. Um, all I know is what I read. But baptizo also means to submerge. It was used to describe vessels that would sink. So a, a ship in the ocean would sink, okay? That's what baptism means. Um, it meant to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to overwhelm. And it was a noun or it was a masculine, and this was the most used one. I think it was used 80 times, and I'm, I'm thinking this is the King James Version. It was used 80 times. It was the most common use of, of to be baptized when we talk about that. Baptisma also meant immersion and submersion. Um, this was talked about of, of John's baptism, when John was baptizing. Um, he was doing something that was right before a, a religious holiday um, that was there. But this was used 22 times in the Bible when they talked about John's baptism. So there we have 102 times it talks about um, baptism. And just let me tell you, in the, in the Bible, it never talks anywhere about baptism. Uh, the apostles or disciples uh, being rebaptized. I mean, there's a believer's baptism. There's one believer's baptism uh, that you need to do. Um, and, and I think that's important to know. You know, that uh, when we were up in Jump River, we had some people from the Mennonite church that came down and, and they had practiced a pouring on. But their profession was, I believed when I was baptized. I consider that a believer's baptism. Some people don't because they get more, a little bit more hung up in the, in the method, saying that every hair of every head and every toe needs to be covered with water. But in my mind, their heart was right with God. They were believers. They accepted the baptism that was taught at the time. But that was 22 times. There's one called baptismos. That was a washing or a purification process that went on. That was only mentioned four times in the Bible. And then Hebrews 10, uh, 9, 10 sort of talks about that. Um, 
but it talked about the difference of the ceremonial cleansings that were there. And then there's bapto. So they all sort of mean generally the same thing, but they have a few different meanings. That was only used three times. But that also meant to dip or to immerse, to dip and to dye, to color. And I, the one reason I like that word to color is because we say by his blood we were made whiter than snow. By his scarlet blood, by his red blood, we were made whiter than snow. So John's call to repentance in the Gospels was uh, echoed through what they called the days of awe. And what we just need to tell people is that God has called us to be baptized as a picture to our family, to our friends. It's a word picture that maybe those that look on, we can open up the gospel. But it was originated back around the Feast of the Trumpets. And so there's a history of it. It's not just like all of a sudden the Baptists came on scene and said, oh, you know, we're going to baptize. Or John the Baptist, you know, oh, he just went out in the wilderness and decided he's going to start to baptize people. No, this, this was a, a process that had went on. It was in the Old Testament too. Uh, a little bit different significance in some of the areas. But it's there. There's a history of these things. And so John's baptist was, uh, baptism was a baptism of repentance too. He was calling Israel back. Saying, turn from your worldly ways. Turn from your evil ways. The Messiah is coming. Jesus is coming. One is coming whose sandals I am not worthy to tie. And I want to close with this. Jesus was baptized. And we could say, well, why did Jesus need to be baptized? He had no sins to repent of. He, hadn't, he was perfect. But he said, I must do this for righteousness sake. See, part of the things about the priests in Israel is that at that time, around 30 years old or so, uh, that was part of um, the process of them becoming a priest. So he did it for Righteousness sake, for what is righteous, for what is right. Why do we do it today? For that same thing. We do it for righteousness sake. We've had our sins forgiven. We've put our trust in Christ. He saved us by his grace. And now we're doing, as the cliche goes, an outward sign of an inward change. But we do it because it's right. We do it for righteousness sake and as the scripture said that he has called us to do these things to make disciples and to be baptized and to teach all people so black sin, red Christ's payment gold, eternal life white, holiness blue baptism we got one more week it's green I'll let you look it up and figure it out. Otherwise, we'll talk about it next week. Father, we just thank you again, Lord, for your word. And Lord, we're not always obedient in areas of our life. It's a struggle that all of us as believers have. We get our priorities wrong. We get drug here and there with our own desires. But Lord, you have come to set us free. And Lord, our prayer is that as we keep our eyes on you, that you continue to do your work within us. And we believe that you will, and we know that you will. You have given us the Holy Spirit.
You have given us a sound mind. Father, what we need to do is we need to know your word. We need to spend time in your word. We need to be disciples ourselves. Too many of us come to a point of salvation and, and say, well, there, I'm done. And we wait to go home to be in glory with you. But Lord, if that's our view, we have missed so much of what the Christian walk is and what you're calling on our life is. Lord, help us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Help us to have a heart for the lost. Help us to really view things through the eyes of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our life, and we thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Lord, we just ask that you be with us, that we might reach out to the lost to help those in need. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.